just going to go get a beer because I've not had enough pauses to get one yet. We've been so full on. Ah, this guy. <laughs> Such a dickhead. I've opened the I'm wrong just... beer, bollocks. Oh, what a shame. I'm already three beers in, thanks to you. This is going to be... <laughs> right. I'm going to stop trying to wind you up now, Mark. Me and we get literally don't care. All it means is that this lasts longer and we get to drink yeah. more beer. It was all planned out. It was all planned out. Oh, shit. I'm going to get the laptop in a different room, then I'm going to move rooms, <laughs> then I'm going to get the iPad, then a phone, then a microphone, then not a microphone, and then I'm going to go... Welcome back to another episode of Still Nil Nil. I'm again joined by my two co-hosts, Sam Greaves and Sam Wiggett. We've had a bit of we had a bit of a technical nightmare trying to set up. I say we, it was definitely me. Mainly, um, it was I've... exclusively you. Yeah, it was exclusively me. How has your week been, Greaves? I've had a good week until now, when I've been forced <laughs> to have three beers spanning fifty minutes whilst you try eight different devices. I quite enjoyed that we we met up for a game of socially distanced crossbar challenge. That was fun in the sun. Yeah, you... You wiped the floor the got us through. I wasn't going to bring the score up, Mark, but yeah. <laughs> yeah strangely talented at hitting the crossbar. I think you were <laughs> trying to actually score. <laughs> I meant to score, yeah. <laughs> uh, how's your week been, week? It's been good, it's been good. I uh, celebrated my 29th birthday this week, so in isolation, which is very strange. My candles were two feet apart, as per the orders. But no, it's good, it was a bit strange. But um, as we were talking on the last podcast, football is now officially back in the form of the German it League. Is. So I've had some football to watch. That's passed a bit of time. Um, and yeah, I'm ready to talk all things football again. Well, again, we have run a poll on our Instagram. This week, we asked you who you regard as the biggest shithouse in football. So again, we've given you four options. Those four options are Luis Suarez, Sergio Ramos, Diego Costa, and Joey Barton. As always, we start with the results. In joint, I'm going to get this right because Greaves loves his third and second place. <laughs> so in joint fourth place, Suarez and Barton with 15% of the vote each. In second place... Diego Costa with 18% of the vote and Sergio Ramos won with 52%. I'm sure it's the honour that he was waiting for. It's another landslide vote. vote. So, initial thoughts, Wiggit, because you didn't know the results initial of that. Thoughts. What are your initial thoughts? All these polls are coming out conclusive, aren't they? There's been a, a mahoosive winner in each one. I did vote for Sergio Ramos. I've got to be honest with that. I did vote for him. But, as I like to do, I do a bit of research after the vote sometimes. And I, there's, there's every reason why Ramos won that poll. One stat is that he has got the most red cards in all the top five European leagues now, ever, with 25 red cards. No single player has done that in Europe's top five leagues. So that would make him a shithouse. But I guess a shithouse is more of a wind-up merchant. Someone who's good at winding up the opposition and potentially getting the opposition sent off. So yeah. I think Ramos is good at that. There's another player on this list I think it could be, should be higher at the top. And I think it's probably Joey Bart. And I think he's the epitome of a shithouse on and off the pitch. So he's bottom for me. Joey Barton's bottom for me. I just think he's a a nasty bloke. That's a different (laughs) definition. Mm. I also am not surprised Ramos has won. As well as the red cards, he's got over 280 yellows in his playing career. He's got the most yellows in La Liga, Champions League, and Spanish international history. It's like he's collecting And it. actually, the yellows, I think the yellows are more representative of shithousery than the reds because 
when you get a red, you've, you've taken your shithousery too far and you've almost failed at being a shithouse because yeah. you've been found out. Whereas a yellow, you've kind of nibbled and nibbled, got booked. <laughs> and, and you've got away with it, really, haven't you? You're on the shithouse. So he life. is excellent at that. Yeah, should I, he win I, by that much? I'm not sure. I don't think he should, personally. I don't think he should. I think it's a close call between him and, in my opinion... I think it's Suarez is my like the one that jumps out there. I'm I'm more thinking about moments rather than like statistics because mm-hmm. Suarez actually in terms of red cards, I think in his whole career he's only had three. So he's he's had quite a lot lower than than other than other players. But I just remember his his incidents that 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 affect yeah. some of them. He hasn't even yeah, been caught out for in games. So Give us the, the best big, one. Biggest, the the biggest shithouse move I think he's ever done is in, I think it was the 2010 World Cup. Yeah. And he's on the line behind the goalie and Ghana, some Ghanaian players had a shot and he saved it on the line with his mm. hand and pretended he didn't hit it with his hand. He's got caught out. He's got sent off. So walking off the pitch, Asamo Jan has the penalty. To, I think he it, it would send them yeah, through and he... he Obviously, skied the penalty, and Suarez is there celebrating. And then eventually, they win on on penalties. So, whilst that shithousery was vindicated, it was just—I just felt so sorry for Garner getting knocked out by him. I mean, he's done. Obviously, we can—you know—I'm sure you guys can can discuss the other things that he's done on the list uh, of of indiscretions. Um, but yeah, Suarez just jumps out as the biggest shithouse for me. It's the biggest shithouse moment. Of any of the four Ever players, me, remarkably, me and Wiggett were we were in Zanti when that happened, and I remember um, when that handball happened and, and and Ghana didn't score. I fell to my knees for some reason. Yeah. We we just became massive Ghana fans on on that particular night out, and I remember that really well. That's definitely the biggest shit house act that any of these players have committed. Absolutely, it's actually, it's hard to debate this here. Because Costa was horrible as well. They've all I can imagine moments. he was a nightmare to play against. And not only that, but he kind of, he perfected the shithouse craft at Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone, who himself was a shithouse. So <laughs> yeah. he's learnt from the best. Well, oh, think... Ramos has a big shithouse moment though as well. What's his moment then, Greaves? He's been in a final in recent years. I think I know God. this. I think, there's a, I think it's where he took down Mo Salah. Yeah, yeah. Like 20 minutes in. Oh, yeah. I, I remember Salah was in tears, wasn't it? Because it would rule him out of the 2018 World Cup. Because that was only a few yeah, weeks after. I think he went on to play in the World Cup. It was his shoulder. He his shoulder, wasn't he? He played in that yeah. World Cup, but just wasn't the same player at all after that. But people said Costa went out to hurt uh, Salah, but I've watched that back. It, it, it's, a, it's an act of shithousery there in the way he takes him down, but I don't think he's tried to intentionally ten, uh, crock him. I really don't, but he's a shithouse. One point I really want to make. Joe, I'm going to have to be a shithouse here and say that you said Costa, <laughs> but oh, given, that we're on, given that we're on shithouse topic, I thought it's justified. Uh, <laughs> I could see, uh, well, for, for the listeners, I could see, I, I noticed when Wiggett said that, and I could just see Wiggett, uh, Greaves' lip go, because I knew he was, <laughs> no. about, he was about to interject. The worst thing about it was, I was waiting for you to stop him, and no, you just I waited he was, to let me ramble. I thought he was going to tell a different story. No, my Costa story <laughs> is how he threw a bib at Jose Mourinho when he didn't get subbed on. Mourinho made all his subs, Costa was still on the bench. He knew he weren't coming on the pitch because he made all three subs. So he decided to launch his bib at Mourinho in an act of protest. Another Costa yeah. moment I wanted to point out. 
was he managed to get Gabriel, the Arsenal centre-back, sent-off in the most ridiculous way. I think Costa squares up to the Arsenal centre-back. The centre-back falls over. Then Costa falls over. There's a bit of a, a conf- confrontation. And as Costa's walking off, he manages to get Gabriel to stamp on his foot somehow and then goes down yeah, again. I do remember this. He, he, he's a shit out. He really is. They, they all are, aren't they? He, he stamped on two Liverpool players in one game as well in the League Cup semi-final. Costa. I think out of the four, I'd, I'd want to play against him least. Yeah, like, he scares I mean, me the most. Well, yeah, Joey Barton's cause... got history. I don't think I'd fancy a cigarette getting put out in my eye. What I would oh, say we're having is... a really garbled conversation here. It's hard to really decide who's the biggest shithouse. Yeah, I mean, going back to what Greaves is saying, like, who would you rather play against? I think as a striker against Ramos, I don't think that's a problem. I think there's way worse centre-halves to play against than yeah. him in terms of, like, scary. Um, he might kick you and foul you, but he ain't going to, like... I don't think he's that scary. And then, Joey Barton, if you're playing in central midfield against him, you aren't gonna be, there ain't going to be, like, that many one-on-ones with him. And again, he's, he's not quick, so you could run past him if you've got pace. I, I agree. I think Diego Costa, if you were a centre-half, marking him would be horrible. Absolutely mm. horrible. Suarez would be horrible from a... You'd, he might bite you. you. Well, he might bite <laughs> you. But I mean, in terms of, like, he, of how good of a player he is and his movement yeah. and stuff like that, that would be horrible. In terms of like physicality, I don't think he would be an issue. But yeah, the, like you've mentioned there, he's, he's got a history of biting... Uh, a couple of players um, but I think the other, the other thing we haven't mentioned is the classic and this gets overshadowed because of the game it was in the classic Joey Barton moment uh, for QPR against Man City oh. now obviously it get, that game it, it, it gets lost in that game because of the Aguero goal really in the league but he gets sent off How did, uh, what does he do to get? does he do a bad tackle he, on Aguero he, it's, it's Tevez he does something to the stamps on Tevez or something like that. But, but that, he, that game's come across recently, hasn't it? People are showing that game quite a lot now there's no football on as one of the greatest yeah. Premier League moments. And I totally forgot this until you mentioned it then. It's ridiculous. It gets overshadowed yeah, totally. It, it, but then he gets sent off, but then he doesn't accept the red card. He then starts squaring up to all the players and I'm sure he either kicks someone or he punches someone. So he kicks a sure, and he kicks or goes to kicks kick a Guerrero. Guerrero. And yeah. then it goes to headbutt Vincent Company. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great uh, example of Shitaosri because he he's knows he's got a red card there. He's trying yeah. to get as many City players off. And it's the last game of the season. Yeah. So he knows that I'm just going to go for it. I've got the summer to get over this. He got but, I think, I think, but I think, though, what um, Wiggett said there, what he's trying to do, I, th- I don't know what the score was at that time, but he's trying to take players with him. Yeah. He's trying to think, if I'm going, you're all coming with, coming me. with me. So he's like, I'll kick a, I'll kick Aguero. No, right. <laughs> Vincent Company, you're having it. And he didn't go for I it. I think that's pretty... I'm happy with that. He's done well while well, he's tried to. Yeah, I think... It's a bold I, I, the strategy. Game, the game, the, clearly, the game has to be in the balance because, obviously, Aguero scores so late. So it must be at either two... Must be it, when they're winning. QPR are either winning or drawing. QPR are winning until like there's 40 seconds left in the game, aren't they? So, yeah, he must have known if I don't get another one off with me, we're in trouble there. Yeah, and he thought, right, who's the dangerous one? Aguero, let's go for him. (laughs) Imagine because QPR are in danger of relegation. But imagine, yeah, imagine Aguero Aguero goes. uh, Reacts? He reacted in that moment. (sighs) None of that would ever have happened. Man City don't win the league. Yeah, that. 
you know, the highlights of that day, it just looks so much less exciting at the Stadium of Light, doesn't it? When Phil Jones is clapping the Man United. Topless it's just Phil not Jones. the same. Yeah. Like a topless Phil Jones versus a sunlit City of Manchester Stadium. And it, it, it's I know a wonderful that it, moment it's fine to not that. like Man City, but that game and watching that back, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't. I think just it amazing to most most teams. Oh, how can I put it? So it doesn't. It didn't have to happen to a team that you liked necessarily. No, it was the fact that the way it happened. You just it was the drama, wasn't it? I think people it's forget like I'm not, as well. Ma- it's a, it's a, it's a rivalry. Man, Man City, Man United. It's the first time City win the league or the Premier League anyway. First time they win it. Rivals. Fergie's still in charge at this point, and Man U have been. A, have been the team in Manchester for the past 20 odd years or so. So it's defined. It could not be better. No, exactly. Couldn't be any better. Imagine if they'd won every single game, every single game. It's not as good as doing what they did. It's just, how have we done this? Yeah. (laughs) We've gone, um, we have gone peak, still nil-nil and massively. Ramos has won at a canter, but out the four, he definitely whinges at the ref the least. Yeah. I like Ramos. I, I really like the him. Other three I, I can't go for him as a He's a winner. The as other well. three are constantly in the ref's ear. They're constantly nibbling at people. Whereas Ramos kind of just does stuff on the sly. But yeah, he's that, I mean, he got, maybe that's he, why he's won. He he made he made a bit of an error this season, didn't he? In the champion was it like this season it was last season in the Champions League, wasn't it? Where he he deliberately got a yellow card to gain a suspension so he, he could be back for the, the next round and openly admitted it. <laughs> yeah. And um, what, what happened? I, I don't recall this. So it was against... He got the thing yellow in the first leg against Ajax um, at Ajax and then missed that is, the second that's leg. so arrogant as well, right, thinking know, that they because, don't need him for the second leg. Ajax absolutely dominate them in the second leg and obviously go through. So yeah, it was it was quite funny. But yeah, I mean he is he is a shit house. But I would say that for, like I think that Suarez just stands out. I mean, don't be wrong. What we've just said about Joey Barton, but like Greaves says, it's kind of you kind of respect him a little bit for that trying to take players with him. But I think Suarez is fighting people. I'm gonna have <clears> to go <throat> for Costa. I think. Really? When I first saw the list, I went, "It's definitely Ramos." And now I've thought about it. Out of all the players, I think I'd want to slap Costa the most if I played. Oh, maybe Swat. It is hard. <laughs> my problem with my problem with yeah, Barton I was going to say I most, wouldn't want to slap Costa. No. Most of the stuff that Barton's done that's in the press and that's most well known is off the field. I, yeah. I think Barton's as much. He's, he's he, well, he's a criminal. Barton's been to jail for <laughs> he uh, has for training ground <laughs> assault, etc. Assault, yeah. So. There's a few names we missed off. I think we've got to mention them. There's a few names we talked about in who should be in this poll. And names that came to mind were Scott Brown, Pepe, massive wind-up merchant, Busquets at uh, 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 Barcelona. Barca. But there's a Good man team, who I think up. that we should have put in this, which I totally forgot about. If we're talking about players we'd hate to play against, Vinnie Jones. Yeah, yeah. Vinnie Jones. what a shit Remember that picture of him Again? with Gascoigne? Gaza, yeah. oh, the, grabbing the balls. Grabbing the balls. It's, it's the blurred lines between nasty bastard and shit house. It's hard to know which side yeah. people sit on. I think that we we've been careful with that, and we've been, we've only picked the people that would be on the kind of clowny side. But yeah, like the likes of Vinnie Jones and your initial draft when you proposed this this poll had Roy Keane, 
So it's, it's hard to know. It's, it's a bit of an opaque thing, a shithouse. And I think in summary, we just, um, we don't know who the biggest shithouse well, is. The listeners are voting, it's Ramos. Yeah, and it was my first choice, but both of us, when trying to give it to Ramos, both of us have gone to stats and yellow cards, and to, that doesn't really typify shithouse, does it? So, I don't know, maybe we're missing some big stories. It doesn't help that the other three have played in the Premier League. So we can point to like yeah. little incidents that we've seen. Undoubtedly, like Ramos has probably had a hundred of them against Getafe, and we've not seen it. <laughs> so let's just say we don't know. But the listeners, we're gonna have to default to the listeners. We've gone for the league. We know, don't we? Exactly. Yeah. Now it's time for the not so breaking news. This week, Wiggit is bringing the topic to the table. What have you got for us, Wiggit? Well, I think we, we, we touched on it earlier, but I think we, we have to mention that football is officially back in some we regards, kind of. Not Football's the Belarusian. back on the menu, boys. <laughs> we have new stuff to talk about for once. Not the Belarusian Premier League, the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 in Germany. Germany's top two uh, flights are back. So I think it's just important to cover what we thought of the games. Did we enjoy watching them? Because it's the first time... We, We've watched a league of this calibre compete with no fans. They're still doing titles. They're still doing relegation. So they are carrying on like it's a normal season with no fans. So I, I just wanted to know really what, what your two takes were on the games and um, that we've seen so far. I have watched a few games. I've, I've typically watched, you know, Dortmund and, <laughs> and Bayern and, and those such teams, obviously. I've enjoyed watching high quality football again. But it's, it's just not the same, is it? It's, it's amazing how much difference the fans make. The commentators now sound like they are just commentating on a game, whereas when you used to watch football on TV, the commentators, when they have to shout over the crowd and it really gets you G'd up, there's just, there is none of that. And it, just, it does just feel like you're watching a training ground game. But it's, I'm conflicted. I'm really conflicted. I don't want it to go away because I've enjoyed watching it. But my enjoyment of watching it is about 10% of normal enjoyment of watching it. But actually, 10% is better than 0%. So I really want it to stay. And I do hope the Premier League follows suit. But I'm shocked by how much it takes away from it by not having fans. Even as a TV viewer, which is remarkable, really. Yeah. I, I only caught a bit of the... Bayern game I didn't I haven't watched much of it I've seen highlights so I can't really comment on exactly how a whole game felt watching but I suppose it's showing what football will probably be like um, for the foreseeable future if football does return to any league um, across Europe especially so you kind of got to get used to it regardless of whether we, we really like it or not if we want football to be played during this situation, we've got to get used to being behind closed doors. I think the thing I found most interesting about it coming back, and I didn't actually know at the time, is that actually the Bundesliga is behind in terms of the way German society is. I didn't know this. I still thought they were quite locked down like us. But actually, they're, they're slightly behind they're a little, a little bit more stricter with the measures so obviously keeping the subs two meters apart social distancing social social distancing is still a thing in germany 
but actually there was quite a few pubs and bars open but they were only allowing a certain amount of people in and um, and obviously social distancing was was enforced so what I also found interesting was the the sort of stringent testing that they go through so they get tested twice a week and they have their temperatures checked mm-hmm. before the game I think it's Friday before the game um, and then they, ha- they have a, another test after the game but the results of that don't come for another few days after that it, it seems quite a safe environment I was it does. You know, in, in, in the first episode, we were all about you know waiting until if you know I think we mentioned November, even if it if it takes that long to come back. My stance on it's a little bit changed. Is the fact that if you can make it safe for the players, and it's it's clearly working at the moment uh, in the Bundesliga. Yeah, well, you mentioned testing, it. and um, in the preliminary tests that they did ahead of it all starting, which we we know the Premier League have, have since done. The Premier League returned six positive tests across the whole player, staff, everything. The Bundesliga, and, and as we get mentioned, it is the second division as well. That They returned 10 positive tests and everything still went ahead. Those 10 individuals were made to stringently isolate and it's not spread or, or anything like that. So I think the, the regular testing proves that it is possible. And like you say, Mark, if it means that it can happen and happen safely, on top of the fact that I'm saying 10% enjoyment is better than 0%, I kind of want this to happen now. Um, in the Premier League but the social distancing things a joke though because they make them sit on a bench socially distanced but if you get brought on and you're marking up at a corner there's no way like, around either you know they're all hugging each other so what's the point it's arguably it's arguably one of the safest places to be because you're around people who you know have been tested and return negative test results so all of the key workers that go go to work don't know that everyone around them has produced a negative test result so I think it is good that we are starting to get back to some sort of normality. And um, as you mentioned, Greaves, the Premier League returned six neg- uh, six positives. Germany returned 10 positives and still went ahead. So I think it, um, all signs really do point to a Premier League return in the, in the near future. The only other thing that we need to say, really, is that with, I think, the manager of... Union Berlin uh, was interviewed after the round of fixtures and he he stressed that actually they're not taking tests away from frontline workers or you know key workers they they these are surplus tests the country doesn't need that many tests so for the only way the Premier League because I think they're talking about private companies you know they have to pay private companies to come in mm. and do testing you know what hope doesn't happen and you can see a media storm coming is that if we are short on tests in our country but the Premier League are paying privately for testing to be done for Premier League games mm. and our key workers aren't getting tested. So that's the only thing that I would say before Premier League football comes back, yeah. we need to make sure that that's the case for us. Yeah. The thing is though, and as, as kind of cold as this might sound, if they're paying privately for them, without them paying for them, those tests don't happen. Mm. So they're not being taken away from anyone. They are additional um, and privately funded. Yeah, but there's an argument that well, if they can pay for them for the players, why can't the Premier League pay for them for the NHS staff? But then where do you stop with that? Like At the minute, everyone could be paying for NHS staff tests. So yeah. I think that the testing thing, yeah, it could be a media storm, but it's, it's exactly that. It's just a media storm. I think that if the Premier League are willing to pay for privately funded and privately sourced tests, then go ahead. Like It's not taking it away from anyone else. I might be misinformed there, but no, without no, them paying for it, they're not going to happen. So I don't. I think the testing is only ever going to be a media issue and how they spin it. So going back a little bit away from coronavirus as much as we possibly can in this situation, mm-hmm. what did you think of the standard of football? Um, I think they, they recorded there was, 
was there 11 injuries in the uh, across across yeah. the game uh, just because of like the, the extended period of being off I think a lot of them were sort of like muscle injuries to, yeah mm. I watched injuries. a few of the games and it, it did seem like the, the tackles weren't flying in like a normal game would so I know Schalke Dortmund is considered a derby um, in Germany normally that would be blood and thunder tackles flying everywhere didn't feel like a derby at all to yeah. me as a viewer watching at home I don't know if it did to fans of Schalke being 4-0 down at 60 odd minutes <laughs> but is blood and thunder possible without the roar of a crowd i Possibly don't think not. it is no no and you, you get g'd up you hear yeah. that noise eruption of noise every time you put your foot in you we all know and everyone who's listening probably knows a big tackle gets cheered so loudly at a football match a tackle where the player's really gone in won the ball that makes people do that more i just don't think it's going to happen i think even no. in the premier league which is rightly or wrongly regarded as the as the more physical league it's not going to happen without crowds but i think it's yeah, important well, to say not all fans not all german football fans were happy that it's come back i think some some fans were happy some fans were sad that it's coming back some people thought that football doesn't need to come back so it doesn't need to be a priority and one example of it i found was um at cologne where fans left an empty sofa outside the front of the stadium with a message saying that uh, Cologne was against ghost games, as they consider them. Because it's true. I mean, I'm a paying season ticket holder at the minute at my club. We don't know what's going to happen. We've still got X amount of games left remaining on our season ticket. We don't know if we're going to get a refund or we're going to get the games back in another season. And I do think it's unfair on the fans that do follow their team around the country. And if they've got to watch it now on telly and and pay, presumably, to watch the teams on telly. I don't know how it's working in Germany in terms of the television rights. But but yeah, we 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 um we were communicated to early in the, the lockdown, weren't we, about our season ticket holders will give you free streaming and stuff. And it's like, well, that that's just not a substitute. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have my money back, to be honest, than because I, I can stream it free anywhere. Yeah, you need, so, you need the fans need like the exclusivity that they were getting as a season ticket holder and you just can't you can't give that can't, uh, there's no possible. way no. obviously you can understand the clubs trying their best to to keep money in the, in the, in the business but i think the fairest thing to do would be to offer the pro rata the games you've missed and offer that as a discount to your next season ticket yeah that's that's, that's the only fairest way i would say but I, I, premier league clubs more than any are cutthroat so that they probably won't yeah. do that you know we're trying yes. to be the most standard way, of football we? was um i'd say it was okay it's hard because you know we want to come across as big football fans but let's face it we we only watch big bundesliga games so we can't compare it to bundesliga as it always has been yeah we'll have a much better barometer of that when and if the premier league comes back behind closed doors because like wiggett says we we probably all watched a bit of the dortmund schalke game because that was the first big fixture I imagine out my garage. Thunder. <laughs> I imagine it's more blood and thunder, like Wiggett says, but we can't directly compare it because I doubt that any of us have watched 90 minutes of a Schalke Dortmund yeah, game before. Awesome. It did seem a bit passy passy, but I think that's a mix of no atmosphere and um, fitness. It felt a bit like a pre season friendly, didn't it? Early pre season yeah. friendly, like pass the ball around to start the game. And it, it, did, it didn't feel like Schalke were ever going to come back into that game when there are a few goals down. And I think. The fans could get behind you there, and yeah. do you, do you yeah. want a bit to get back in? Yeah, the they could. If you're two 0 down, there's no fans in the stadium. I you think it's hard to ask, incentivize yourself. Yeah. Do you both agree with me then that even though it wasn't anywhere near, like not even in the same stratosphere, comparable to proper football with fans in the in the ground, do you agree that it's better than nothing? 
or would you rather have nothing? I think selfishly I want football to come back as soon as possible you know that's my opinion like I want it to come back uh, whether it's the right thing or not to do obviously we've discussed before it's, it's it's difficult in that format I'd be I would be happy with it yeah I, th- I, I, I would be happy for it to come back that way but the, the problem is is that more and more leagues are stopping and cancelling and my concern is that where the reason why Germany the Bundesliga is back is based on you know it's heavily backed on the fact that the country is recovering well and they're doing well as a society ours is still regarded as you know one of the worst to recover um, and mm-hmm. because of the Premier League is the global league you know, it's the one that's viewed everywhere in the world there's that pressure to get it back and a fear that that pressure because it's a global league and it's bigger than any other league let's be honest it's bigger than any other league in the world there's that global pressure from all the broadcasters and all the fans and everything to get it back in a country that probably isn't ready for it and that's the concern I have so there's always no stopping it now I mean because they're in group training I think that the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I do not think that they'd go for that if they knew that down the road they weren't going to play again. I agree. I think countries will use the Bundesliga as a bit of a blueprint as well. Yeah, definitely. If Germany can get it going ahead, then we're not being shown up by Germany. We're going to get ours ahead. I think a lot of countries will be like that now. Do you know what was quite nice about having football back? For me, I watch a lot of football, but sometimes football for me is a bit of a white noise in the background. So it's generally just on and you're potting around the house, you're doing stuff and it's just on. It was nice to have that background noise again of, of football. Your crowd's not there, but you still had a chance. You'd look at the telly, there's a chance, there's a goal, right? Let's, yeah. look over, let's see what's going on. That, that was nice. For that. Now it's time to play the boys' favourite game. Six decades of separation. Separation. Right, so we, we mentioned in the first episode we're not going to use Marcel Desai for every week. We are going to be using him this week. We're going to use him up until episode six, if we make it that far. And then we'll be changing the player because the boys are just getting too familiar with uh, Chelsea players. So remember to pause podcast if you want to play along. Give yourself eight minutes and 59 seconds and then tune back in for the boys timing. Let me just get my timer set up for eight minutes and 59 seconds. Today's player for the six decades of separation. Have you got that like nervous bubble in your stomach? Yeah, I'm excited though. Okay. More than ever. More than ever, the I'd say. Player, the player is Lewis Dunk. Ooh. Time starts now. Lewis oh man, Brighton. Brighton Green. I'm thinking we a wig. I'm thinking Knockart. He played for Leicester. Knockart. I was thinking and a Aaron lot of that Leicester squad won the Premier League and we know them. Well, Claudio Reina was the manager of Leicester when they won the league and Desai at Chelsea. Maybe he bought some Claudio Reina. <laughs> Oh, Claudio Ranieri. I get too excited in this game. Claudio, Claudio Reina, the average American midfielder. Gio Reina's dad. Knockout. We've got to use Leicester. I think that's We've a strong shot. We could just copy last week and go all Brighton and then pick Barry. And oh, let's not do that. Let's Barry. Not do that group, yeah, we're yeah. going to scrap that. We we used that before. Okay, so we're not going to use Villa. Let's let's. We could go. That. We could go. Knockout. Kasper Schmeichel. Where's Schmeichel played? Leicester. Oh, Man City. Oh yeah, that. sorry. But did he play? Do we? Should we go safe? Should we go? Sa- Maybe Leicester isn't that good. I think we're, we're down this path now. Let's carry on. Lewis Dunk at Brighton. Play with Knockout. 
Brighton, who's played at Leicester with David Nugent, journeyman. But Nugent no, is really no, good. No big clubs, though, really. Mm, we thought we'd nailed this, because actually, Knockout and Albrighton probably didn't even play together at Leicester. So, Who is still God. Let's, let's just shout Brighton players out. So he's played with Shane Duffy, yeah, let's do he's played for many. Aaron Moy is a good shout. Aaron Moy was at... He was at City. He was at Huddersfield as we well. We don't know when he came. We don't know when he came on. Oh, regrettably, my knowledge of, of Brighton players isn't. Glenn Murray isn't what it Crystal once Palace. was. Okay, that's really good. Let's to Zaha. To Zaha. Oh my God! And Zaha played with Edgar Davids, who played with Desai AC Milan. See you later. Oh, we've gone foreign. We've gone continental. Okay, then, you've gone let's continental. Wig, you okay. read it to him. Right. So I think we've got Lewis Dunk. Played at Brighton with Glenn Murray, who played at Palace with Wilfred Zaha, who played... Can we we do Palace, Palace? Zaha to David? We can't. Oh, my God. This is a controversial game of six SIEs. Did we say no more than two? I forgot this rule is so hard to remember. I think we're trying to just do club to club rather than club club. No, that, you, can go, uh, you can go Zaha. Yeah, we, say no, we said no more than two, didn't we? Yeah, we said we no could more do than that. Two. That's only two. That's only two. So you carry on, Wiggs. Right, so starting hang on, Dunk. Hang on, hang on, though. The way I see it is you've got Lewis Dunk is at Brighton with Murray. Murray's at Palace. Palace. So you're going Palace. With then you're Zaha. saying Zaha Palace. Then you're also saying... Edgar Davidge Palace, so Palace is three in a row. That's not allowed. No, but it's only two connections in a row. Murray you can't Zaha. go Palace, Palace, Palace. It's, just it's not Palace, Palace, Palace. It's Palace, it's Palace. Three, you, can't, you can't have three players that are playing for the same team. Link. Let's go Dunk, Murray, Zaha. Let's go to Manu Zaha. Manu, oh, it's really good. Who would have played with... Tom Cleverley. Cleverley. Did he play with Tom Cleverley? Yeah, I'd say played so. with Joe Cole, Joe Cole at Villa, who played with Desai at Chelsea. <sighs> We're locking that in. Give it to me again. So you've gone Dunk, <sighs> Murray, Zaha. Then you've gone from Zaha to Cleverly. Cleverly. Yeah, and then Cleverly, and Cleverly to, to, Joe to Joe Cole at Villa, would you believe? We promised no more Villa, but we really meant Gareth Barry. So then we're going to go Joe Cole straight to Desai. Okay, which, so by the you, way, you're locked in on, with three minutes and nine seconds left, and you are correct. Get boys. Talk us through the appearance numbers, please. I always enjoy that bit. So you got Lewis Dunk and Glenn Murray played together 139 times. Glenn Murray and Zaha played together 99 times. Zaha and Tom Cleverley have played together four times. Cleverley and Joe Cole have played together 10 times. And yes. then Joe Cole and Desai played together 17 times. Now it's time for Sam versus Sam. <laughs> this one I am nervous about. So one, it's, one it's, a, it's one. It's one one to Sam. Um, <laughs> so I'm neither so, winning nor losing. It's great. So what? What I'm going to do each week? I'm going to start with the player that we ended with last week. So. Ooh. Last week, remember, Grace, who we, Michael Ballack was the player. So what we're going to do is instead of rotating who goes first each week, I'm going to ask you a question and whoever gets it right gets to go first or gets to choose mm. if they want to go first or second. Ooh. So Michael Ballack and Lucio played together how many times? Lucio. So Greaves, I'm going to go to you first. I'm going to say... A ninety six times. Would you believe I was thinking ninety seven? <laughs> 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 I 
Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shit out you after we've spoke about shit out you today. I'm going to go 120, please, Mark. Or oh, is this club 125? And... 125. Oh, oh. Can't be club and countries. Brazilian and German. No, I was going to say, is it Champions League? Is it domestic? Or... Is it? Yeah. Just so listeners know, Mark has withheld the website he uses for this from us. And it's, it's not necessarily driving me insane, but I'm pretty sure it's driving Greaves insane. Yeah, I, I, I like you know what? Look- I'm, I'm almost tempted to tell we get the website. Just <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. God's honest truth, I wouldn't want to go on it. I promise you, because no, you wouldn't want to because you'd revise. lose about yeah, you'd lose about four years of your life just being I on would. there. Lockdown I am now the website. And, like, coronavirus would be a distant memory by the time I got off that website. <laughs> so, Mark, I've come to a decision. I'd like to defer the toss, so I'd like Greaves to um, go into bat first, please. Okay. Sorry, are you deferring my toss? I would like to defer. Mm. Again. Right. So, <laughs> Michael Ballack and Lucio played together 125 times. Lucio and Bastian Schweinsteiger, higher or lower than 125? Higher. So, I would like higher as well, please, Mark. Oh, uh, so yeah, it was 193 appearances, so it was higher. You both have got a point there. Okay, so 193 appearances between them two. Schweinsteiger and Manuel Neuer, higher or lower than 193? To clarify, does this include international appearances? This includes international appearances. Right. Interesting. Interesting. That's a real spanner, that mark, the international appearances. Yeah. That is a real spanner. Because these two have, have won a World Cup together, I'd say. I am going 193 is a lot of appearances. So I'm going to possibly controversially go lower. My immediate thought was lower. I think I'm going to go lower, Mark. Oh, it is lower. 180 appearances between them <laughs> two. So we move to Neuer and Kimmich. Higher or lower than 180 appearances? This is for you, Higher? I, my initial thought was higher. But I think Neuer's been injured quite a bit. So I'm going to go lower. Neuer and Kimmich played 170 times together. It was oh, two apiece. <laughs> to Three, be a two, classic. Two. Hey, I'm in the lead. Three, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> 170 appearances between those two. So Kimmich and Robert Lewandowski. Higher or lower than 170 appearances? I'm going to go for higher, please. Grievo. <sighs> This is really hard. We get set higher and I'm behind. <laughs> I'm going to go higher as well. It is higher with 189 appearances. Lewandowski and Xabi Alonso, higher or lower than 189 appearances? Lower. I'm not saying this because I'm in the lead, but it does also have to be lower. It is lower with 111. Okay, so Xabi Alonso and Greaves' best mate, Steve Finnan. <laughs> Higher or lower than 111 appearances. So was that Shabby Alonso and Scott Parker there, did you say? <laughs> the man who has a Champions League winner's medal. I think lower <laughs> just, lower just. This is so hard. This is hard. I think I'm going to go higher. Lewandowski and Alonso played together 111 times. Xabi Alonso and Steve Finnan played together 130 times. Higher. Oh. <laughs> this is the best it's, game we've had so far. It's 10. Five all going into the last two rounds. Oh, no. I can't believe Steve Finnan's got 130 Liverpool appearances. Okay, so um, 130 appearances between Xabi Alonso and Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan and Jersey Dudek. Higher or lower than 130 appearances? I'm going to go lower. 
Uh, I'm going to be risky and go higher. I'm going to risk it. Okay, so Xabi Alonso and Steve Finnan played 130 games together. Finnan My heart's racing. And Jersey Dudek played together a measly 67 games. No! It's lower. What a terrible I'm job We've got one more round left. I can only draw it. Steve Finnan and Dudek played together 67 times. Dudek and Milan Barash, higher or lower than 67 times. Can I write my answer down? Yeah, I think you both need to. You both need to answer at the same time here, oh. just because based on the score, Dudek and Barros. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't yeah. listening before. I was just obviously going to copy we get. Hey, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for sporting integrity of the this uh, this game, I think you both. He's need very kind of you to do this, Samuel. Thank you. Okay, three. Oh, this is not great for a podcast. So they're going to turn the uh, the papers over <laughs> to me. In three, two, one. Wiggy has gone higher. Greaves has gone higher. No. The answer is 81. It's higher. Greaves yeah. takes the second game of I Sam versus Sam. believe it. Are you ready for what the football? What the football? Oh, my God. I forgot what the football. I'm so happy. <laughs> so, as Not we've yet. just said, it's, it's time for what the football this week. Well, we've we've you boys have each done a what the football, so it's my turn. I struggled really because I'm not a controversial guy. I don't think. I think I'm pretty straight down the middle. Not like Wiggy in his massive hatred for uh, a certain ginger midfielder. He's so um, <laughs> So Wiggy hates Steve Sidwell. <laughs> <laughs> so my what the football this week is that I am country over club my, I choose England over my local team Aston Villa I can't really say what the football team are but I know you're in the minority massively so minority. you, you, you uh, hit the brief of what we intended with this section controversially I'm going to start with something that, that supports you so you and I, at the start of last season, we went to uh, the opening game of the championship campaign, uh, Hull away, and um, Villa came back from 1-0 down to win that game 3-1, which is basically like the perfect away day. You've got the emotional roller coaster, And I remember the second goal to make it 2-1, like the, the goal in the game. I turned to you and I said, it's just not the same as the World Cup. Because we'd just been treated to the 2018 World Cup. And for the first time in my whole life, I felt that Villa didn't do it for me the same way England did. But that's the only time I felt that way. <laughs> One, um, in 28 years. In, in, in 20, 29 nine, years. Nine years <clears throat> what? In 29 years, I think that that's the first time. And again, that maybe that makes me really fickle, but I, I would say I'm... Uh, Villa over England in in general terms. We'll go to Wig Wig, who I think is going to be the biggest um, the biggest what the footballer yeah. in this what the football. Uh, I, I think it is. I can say what the football to that statement from Mark because I have always been club over country massively for me. The the, the Villa is. Uh, I enjoy the England matches. I love them. I love I love going to watch them. Uh, with everyone having a drink kind of thing, watching the tournament football. That's fantastic. But for me, I think in my lifetime, I've probably only ever been to four or five England matches over the course of my entire lifetime. Most of them friendlies. I don't think I've been to any matches 
a real significance. I went to the Nations League game uh, at Wembley in Spain, and that was good, but the fan atmosphere wasn't great. No one knows what to chant, really. You got it's, it, the, the crowd is predominantly children, which I do think is a good thing. But for me, I've always controversially, I think, said that I would rather my club win a League Cup than England win a major trophy. I know that is an incredible statement to say. That wow. is an incredible statement cup. to say. No, I... I, I will be there. I will be in that stadium when, when my team wins a cup. I will be there. I'll find a way to be there. There's very little chance of me being... Show. There's very little chance of me being in that stadium when England win a trophy. I, I want to be there. Yeah. My, my experience as a football fan comes from being in the stadium. We get said that he's experienced football through going to the games I got into football and like we all did really watching England on the telly so that that I think it's maybe a little bit nostalgic for me but the I think the point I want to make so in the first episode we all talked about like our influences and why we got into football um and Wiggett's dad is a big Villa fan Greaves's granddad is a massive Villa fan I stated that my dad is a Birmingham City fan so there's not that club connection that we can have together you know it's due to areas more than where we live more than anything else um so my connection to watching football and getting to football is my dad like my dad is such a massive football fan um and it's basically all we, all we talk about when we hmm. see each other um and are we bond over england so that's i think that's for me why it's more special it's it's how i got into football it's it's something that we can both support together. When you know, when it, for us, we really love to like pick. I remember like when I was growing up, we'd or he'd ask me to get a pen and paper and write down my twenty-three man squad that I'm taking to the World Cup and or you know or to different tournaments. And we'd, we'd it's just a way of us bonding and us being able to equally be on the same side for once, rather than being rivals. Not that we ever really are rivals when it comes to watching Blues Villa, um, but. Yeah, so for me, that my my opinion cannot be changed on that because based on that, mm-hmm. I, I understand I think the that's whole. That's a really good point. I think I understand the whole, um, you know, atmosphere. It's unrivaled. Like when you're at Villa, even in a home game, you know, the atmosphere there is incredible. You don't have to go to an away game to get the atmosphere. If it's especially if it's the right game, uh, the atmosphere in the stadium is incredible. Um, and the fact that you know there's more games support there's you know i will admit you know there's some qualifying games and friendly games that are horrendous that are england but the it's all about like vivid memories for me i'll admit i don't have the best memory but when it comes to like football england memories they seem to last in my mind um especially from from a child but even growing up you know and 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 then when the tournaments are on that whole everyone gets involved the country gets involved it seems like more together not just Mm. you know it's not just a few guys together you know yeah, you make I, a really I, good point about your your dad. I love that because yeah. there's gonna be so many children who have got the same sort of relationship with their football and a parent from them watching games on telly or taking them to the matches. I do feel fortunate being a, a Villa fan. Sometimes I know there's a lot we can moan about, but I love the fact that I can generally get a ticket to watch my club play. I'm not envious at all. There'll be listeners of big clubs who have won loads of trophies but can't get a ticket on a match day to a home game because of waiting lists because of the demand I'm, I'm very fortunate I love the fact I can generally get a ticket to go see my club play yeah, and that's yeah. my, my issue with England I, every time I've tried to get an England ticket to 
a qualifying game or of, of any significance. I can't seem to get it because I'm mm-hmm. at the bottom of the list. I yeah, think that I, Mark's right in that it's, it's the whole unit that's supporting them. But it's every four years or every two years. It's not every week. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the, it, it's difficult. I'm, I'm not saying that I don't you know, support Aston Villa because I do. And, and I actually, I, I'm, you know, you guys were saying you feel lucky. Uh, that you support them or fortunate. I feel fortunate because if I was forced to, not forced, but you know, if Blues was forced on me more than Villa, um, I don't, I don't know whether we'd be as close as we are as mates. My, my, my statement about the League Cup, if I had tickets <laughs> to a World Cup final, England were there, you asked me that same question. You asked me, would I trade England losing that World Cup final for a Villa winning the League Cup? I'd say no. So yeah. I am contradicting myself massively there, but if no, I'm, no, no, if I am I there agree. and have the tickets, I would choose that. But I just I know that realistically, the chances of me being in that stadium for whatever tournament England get to a final of, I, I, I will likely not be there, which is so unfortunate. You you mentioned like being there in the stadium. You know that seems to be your pulling power, and I, I totally agree. When I say agree, I don't agree that I'd rather Eng- uh, Villa win the League Cup than. England win the World Cup but it's only because my main way of like absorbing football and, and like really getting into football again I'll lead it back is, is watching it on the telly with my dad so mm. if we were watching that together or you know watching England games with you guys um, at bars and pubs and, and at, you know our houses I just I, I find it that means more to me that I that's as good as being at a game almost yeah. I know for me personally but I totally mm. understand we get your point of being there and being able to really feel like you were part of it. International tournaments are unrivaled in football, I think. What I would say to you, Greaves, though, and I'm going to go against my argument here, is that tournament football, because we've got a team to support in them tournaments generally, apart from 2009, <laughs> yeah. we have, we have we, you know, it's someone, it's great coverage, but what's equally a great tournament is the Champions League. Now, if Villa are in the Champions League, we all love the Champions League. Yeah. If Villa are in the Champions League and we were able to absorb that, even not by going to the games, but by watching mm. it on the TV, you know, because Champions League is still a thing that people go out and watch together. Yeah. Not as much as like, the atmosphere is not as good as England games, but sometimes it's not as bad. You know, That's a really it's good, not far off. You've so made me think you, of a, go on, sorry. I was going to say was, I think it's the way that the World Cup is put together. You know, it's a show. It's a massive yeah. show. And the Champions League is similar. The problem is we don't have someone to support in the Champions League. Yeah, I think, I think it, uh, the, the, the best way we can sum this up is it, it really, based, the argument really relates to how you associate the most with football, whether it be, you know, who it might be with or how you watch it, at, you know, a, a game or via TV. And I think that, those things have massively swayed our decisions, but I'm still going to stick with, I don't think I can be swayed as much as I think, even with the point you just made there, Greaves, it's, it's brought that barrier closer and closer, but I really don't think it'll ever, ever be different. Each week we end the episode with your questions. The best way to get in touch with us is through Instagram. We are at still nil nil pod. We'll occasionally put a question box on there, so just fill that in or direct message us um, your questions. We really appreciate them. So the first question comes from Monica Macassa. She puts, hey, at still nil, nil pod. Love you. See my private photo in my link. 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Wow. Sorry, my, my response is I did see private photo in her leg. <laughs> and um, was there a question? Yeah, next Tuesday. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're hitting the target. Yeah, we've, that we're after. Um, what you're leaning, what you're, what you're kind of intimating towards there, Mark, is we've received a lot of spam. <laughs> on yeah. the uh, on the old Instagram question. Oh wait, box. that was spam. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. that has been. It's How been much did quite, you lose? With you? It's been quite suggestive. It's been quite suggestive. <laughs> okay, right. I'll give you. I'll give you a question, question two? now. Uh, question two is: uh, Hi, check out. No, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. I can't, I can't do it. You have okay. one an iPhone 11. <laughs> honestly i've made so much money since doing this podcast i've got so many yeah. iphone 11s sent to me I've if anyone retired. wants any just just get in touch um okay the first question comes from at jack d pearson and he asks should the ban on drinking in terraces be finally reversed grievo yes <laughs> why okay yes, yeah because <clears throat> we are um we're far from the, the turmoil of the kind of 70s and 80s hooliganism, I think. And every other sport in the UK has evidence they can, they can deal with that um, apart from football. But that's because football's not been given the chance. I think that at the very least, we should, we should trial it because everyone just goes out and gets more drunk before the game. And then in the ter- in the, on the terraces after they've gone through the turnstiles, they're drinking two or three pints rapidly. People are probably, arguably, more drunk because of the ban <laughs> than they otherwise would be. I can definitely see why we're not allowed in the stands. I'm looking at certain fans that I've been in close contact with this season, sitting behind us, etc. There are some people that would be silly with it. There are some people that would drink too much be even more abusive we have heard abusive crowds this season even with chill with small children i've yeah, been to a lot true. of um rugby games you can pop down on on 65 minutes and go and get a pint and it's such a nice experience like everyone's having a good time no one's no one's overly pissed it's just a case of you can have a beer in the stands You've got to put the trust in the fans, haven't you, really, the, the, the powers that be. I don't think the, the Premier League do trust fans, as, as is evidence with the, the no-safe standing currently. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, if, if I'm being honest. But if I were making the vote, I, I would like to trial it and just see, just see what it's like. Put stewards in the crowd, put more stewards there, and just see what would happen. Yeah. Okay, so the next question comes from at Jay Bainers. Where do you think is actually the best place to put a penalty. You see people always going bottom corners, but if a keeper goes the right way, he's always saving it. Feels like you rarely see a penalty with any height on it get saved. We get, we'll come to you. That's very, very true. My instinct were to say, high down the middle. Mm -hmm. No keeper is going to just stand there. Every single keeper is going to dive with the exception of one or two, you are going to want to dive as a keeper. I don't think you're going to want to stand there. So I think any penalty, I rarely have seen penalties on target, I'll say. I think you've got a higher chance of skying it over if you go straight down the middle um, at some height. But I would say the perfect penalty for me would be with some power straight down the middle. As long as it's over the keeper's legs, you're probably going to score it. Good shot. I think Joe's, uh, Joe's left himself open to interpretation here because... 
he's not asked about the probability of you hitting the target and undoubtedly the best place to put it is in the postage stamp <laughs> in off the post and the crossbar like no one's getting that are they yeah. I kind of disagree with his comment though that if the keeper goes the right way that they, they save it that you often see the keeper go the right way and it goes in get a hand to it still yeah. goes in mm. it's as long as you don't put it about two foot off the ground if it's on the if it's on the ground they rarely save them Basically, if it's touching the turf or if it's above the keepers, like Wiggett says, if it's above the height of their hips or if it's touching the ground, it, they generally go in. This one comes again from Ryan Clemson. And he asks, what was the first pair of boots you remember getting? Greaves. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember my first pair of boots being a pair of red lottos. I remember them. Ooh. It's pretty rogue for like your first pair of boots. I don't, I don't know why. Ooh. It was either the them rogue or a... of the podcast. <laughs> it was either them or a, a pair of blue tempos, but I'm almost certain the red, the red lottos uh, superseded the, I've got that wrong way around, were before the <laughs> blue tempos. And I used to keep them in the utility in our old house. That's where the uh, airing cupboard was. You had to keep them in a dry area. And I was so protective over them. Wiggy, what was your first pair? And, and did you put them on the right way? <laughs> put them on the right way. He's never time. wore a pair of boots the right way. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting? Every and he was in year six at the age of 19. Hey, every <laughs> single person who's ever laced up a pair of boots in any sport remembers their first pair. Isn't that fantastic? No one goes, I can't really remember. You always yeah, remember shut up. your first pair. <laughs> so, Mark, I remember my dad taking me to JJB Sports and Greaves, I remember, I remember your red lottos vividly. I remember them. I wanted coloured boots. I wanted white boots, but my dad wouldn't let me have coloured boots at this time. Hang on. Are you calling white boots coloured boots? Because black was the, was the colour. That, your boots that's were like, black. Anything you've then wasn't... gone on to not say a colour? No. So I, I wasn't allowed. I had to get black boots, basically. I, my dad thought if I get cooked different... Real boots, men wear black boots. Yeah. Yeah, if I got a pair of white boots or silver boots, I'd get clattered. Someone's going to take me out. I, I do remember thinking, small times I was on a pitch, people with coloured boots, you would want to take them out. You would want to clatter them more <laughs> than someone with your classic Mundials. So my first pair of boots were a black pair of Deodoras. And the Deodoras I remember that. Did they have yellow Deodora? Yeah, fluorescent Deodora. Yes, I remember them. So that was, that was enough. That was enough colour for me. But the I think I was jealous of them. Like, yeah, that was my favorite. They're better than Red Lottos, then. I got into football a, probably a little bit later than both of you. I probably didn't play for a team until I was about nine years old. Um, so my my first pair of boots were, a, I got from JJB, and they were a pair of Nikes. Now, I don't know what, what Nikes they were, but they were gold and black. Um, and they had like a spiderweb uh design on so like it was it was gold but like more the web was kind of like black but it was they were more black than gold it was weird um but yeah they, they were and they, they were very soft inside like the, the inside of them were like really mm. cushioned i remember that do you um, still have so them yeah. oh yeah size whatever they are they probably fit you actually oh no (laughs) we've uh we've managed to ramble ourselves on to the end of another episode we appreciate you listening again and making it all the way to the end if you can follow us follow us on 
Instagram and Twitter. We are at still nil nil pod is the best way to get in touch with us. Try just get involved on, on Instagram. Like we've got polls running that will make it into the start of the show. Questions that will make it to the end of the show. We'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 See you later.